Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. I'm just going to show a number of verses up on this screen in a little while. Uh, but before I do, I want you to remember that this or your Bible, or your electronic version of the Bible, whatever, uh, however you get a hold of it, uh, it's God's Word. And uh, it's like no other book. Is that right? Who agrees that it's, it's worth uh, not just reading, but it's worth obeying and attending to. And uh, you know, Jesus said, it's recorded in the book of Matthew, about chapter 7, that if you hear the Word of God and do nothing, uh, it's like a man building a house on a foundation of sand. Do you remember that passage? And it's really a shaky foundation. He says, if you're smart, you'll build on rock. In other words, you'll listen and obey. Now, this is the Aussie Bible. You may have seen this. Kel Richards, ABC presenter, is a Christian guy, and he's paraphrased a number of passages in a very Aussie, ochre, bushy you know, kind of way. And he, he shares that passage as this, uh, in this terminology. He says, everyone who lends an ear, this is Jesus' words, as if he was, you know, maybe arriving uh, in Australia, maybe out in the bush uh, in modern times. Everyone who lends an ear to what I say and then puts it into practice is like a smart bloke who built his homestead on a good foundation of rock. A cyclone hit that could blow the thoughts right out of your head. But wind, rain, whatever, that house on the rock foundation was safe. But everyone who lends an ear to what I say and then doesn't put it into practice and just goes on like they've always done is like a real buffhead who built his homestead on a foundation of sand. The same cyclone hit and there wasn't one board left nailed to another when the wind and the rain was over. They were picking up bits of it in broom. That homestead was a real goner. He was a buffhead. Uh, and so let's listen to the word of God and, and apply and ask God to help us apply it to our lives. I love the Aussie vernacular. Um, and sometimes you say things, I've been overseas and said things and people look at you funny and then you realize, oh yeah, okay, maybe they don't know. I mean, I wanted to shout a, a bloke a meal and, uh, in Texas many years ago and I said it a number of times and uh, because he took us to a fancy restaurant and he'd looked after us and and he said, oh, you know, it's expensive here. I said, it's all right, my shout, you know. And, and we finally came to get the bill. And I said, my, he said, man, what are you talking about shouting for all the time? You know, and, he was, and, he, and I just didn't realize. He didn't know what I meant. I, I'm going to pay. What? Well, what do you say you shout for? What's going on? And, uh, and I was thinking, I wrote down a few funny expressions that we use. You know, bullfeds are classic. Uh, and, but we've, of course, got quite a few terms der- for, you know, derogatory terms for people. Uh, if they're not a bullfed... They're a dag or a yobbo, a drongo, a bogan, a dill. Um, of course, blokes normally are just blokes. Men are blokes, you know, mates, uh, cobbers, if you like, a little old-fashioned perhaps, very bushy. Women, of course, have the uh, privilege of being called chicks or sheilers. Um, children, they're not just kids. We call them nippers and grommets, ankle biters. And, uh, and then we've got some great... Um, you know, uh, greetings uh, and, and sayings to just farewell someone. G'day, of course, and, and oi. Oi can be sort of anything you like, can't it? Uh, and hooroo. Um, and then there are other expressions that can mean almost anything you like. Fair dinkum and struth. 
It can be, you know, an expression of surprise, a confirmation of truth, an expression of anger. It can kind of, you know, cover a whole field. And then you've got words for remote places. If somewhere is a long way away, where is it? It's whoop whoop. But if it's a really long way away, it's out the back of whoop whoop. You know, so that's really, that's really far out, you know. And, uh, and there's just a few phrases that I want you to think of this morning uh, that are really helpful to cope with the stresses of life. And they are, no worries, never mind, and she'll be right. And uh, these are biblical phrases. I'm not getting away from the Bible. They are biblically founded. To be able to say, no worries, never mind, and she'll be right. Uh, just as if Jesus would have spoken some of those phrases if he was a, uh, in an Aussie uh, bush setting, perhaps. Because Jesus did tell us not to worry. And, uh, and yet he didn't just say, don't worry, and leave it at that. He's given us the fuel, the opportunity, uh, the equipment, if you like, to build into our lives so we aren't overwhelmed by worry. Uh, and who knows, there's plenty of things to worry about. We do get stuff that comes and, and worries us, that troubles us. Um, but it's hard to just decide not to worry. To say, okay, well then, I won't worry. I'll just adopt a positive mental attitude. And that has some benefits, but um, it's difficult to just continually stop worrying thoughts or to you know, prevent those niggling concerns to just eat away in your mind, that, that fear or that anxiety that keeps coming back uh, to get you. If I was to, um, you know, go up to Adam here and say, uh, listen, Adam, I, I, I just spoke to someone this morning and they, um, they, did, they said some pretty bad things about you. They, they really having a go. But anyway, look, I don't want to go into it and I don't want to say who it is and I really don't want to say what they said. So anyway, have a great day. Uh, you know, he, he's going to find that hard because he's going to be sitting there thinking, who said it? What did they say? Why did they say it? Why didn't they say it to me? Why didn't he tell me who they were so I could talk to them? Uh, you know, and so it would eat away. It's hard to just say, all right, fine, I won't talk about it. If your boss says to you on Friday, um, look, uh, listen, we're, we've got some major changes and the economic climate's not good, so on Monday I've, I've got to make it. I'm going to make an announcement um, about staffing changes. Anyway, look, have a good weekend. I won't talk about it anymore now, okay? So I'll see you Monday. You know, you're going to go and think all weekend, oh, no, is it me? Who's getting the sack? What's going to... It's hard to just say, all right, I won't think about it. Uh, and, uh, and so you need an alternative, don't you? You need something else to focus on. You need a, a solution that is more than just trying to ignore that issue that, that bugs you. And um, it's like an, an antidote for the poison of negative thinking and worrying thinking that comes to us. And, uh, and so if you've got a source of worry, you need an alternative source of hope, of calm, of peace. And so I want to talk about the peace of God because it is available to all of us. God is the source of, of everything we need. Uh, and, and not just materially, but, but spiritually and emotionally. Everything we need, God has. He's the source of all that's good. He's, he, you know, he is love, the Bible says. And he is full of, um, wisdom and kindness and generosity and he cares for us. And he's also full of peace because he is 
peace. He is at peace. God is not stressed. God has no frown lines. He's not pacing up and down the streets of heaven going, oh no, climate change. What was I thinking? It's getting out of hand. I don't know. Oh, carbon tax. Why didn't I think of that? Oh, you know, he, he's, he's, that's not God. God is calm. God is cool. He's okay. He's at peace. And his peace, he connects with us and that can be part of our life. We can have his qualities flowing into our life and through our life. Um, it's promised and it's, it's available for everyone who knows him, who walks with him. And uh, it's more than just an emotion. It's, it's an unseen but powerful reality to have the peace of God, to, to calm you and to carry you through difficult times. And so I want to look at a number of verses of promises of Scripture uh, that talk about the peace of God. And you don't have to turn to them all because I'm going to pop them up on this screen and just run through, starting in the Old Testament. Look at this beautiful promise. You, this is God, you, Lord, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Or the traditional rendering you might know as those whose mind is stayed on you. So if you're focusing on God, if you're thinking about the Lord, you're hanging out with him, you've got a relationship with him, as a result, you're going to find peace in your heart. Your mind and your spirit is going to be in perfect peace. You can't hang out with Jesus without being affected by his peace. You hang out with Adam, you're going to become an enthusiastic Parramatta supporter, right? And so that's an issue, and that's why we asked him to sit here by himself, okay? Um, whereas if you're a manly supporter, you're allowed to sit in the general congregation. Um, and manly, my team and his team, Parramatta, are playing on Monday night, you know. That's right. Deacons remove him. Oh, he is the deacon. That's the problem. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you become, what I'm saying is it's social osmosis. You become like the people you hang out with. If you're hanging out with the grumpy bum at work, then you're going to find yourself being a grumpy bum. If you hang, if you hang out with someone who's generally a, an upbeat, positive, happy person, it's going to affect you. It's going to rub off you. If you hang out with God, you're going to end up having just a little, perhaps, of his peace. And so that's why it's important that we pray every morning. We come before the Lord and, uh, and ask Settle down, brother. He was very excited because we had our fast and prayer meeting and he's a very spiritual-minded man. So the final prayer when we finished all our prayer on Wednesday night was, Lord, help, help New South Wales win the footy, which, you know, and yes, prayer works. Yes, there you go. All right, the next scripture, uh, back to the Bible. Who started that anyway? All, all your sons will be taught by the Lord and great will be your children's peace. Come on. Parents, you need that because little kids get stressed and worried. And as teenagers, there's a lot of pressure on them. And, and you know, they don't always feel at peace. Uh, and yet there is a promise there from God. A next one. Again, I think in Isaiah, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are, we are healed. This is talking about the ministry that was to come of Jesus. This is the, the, from the famous Isaiah 53 prophetic passage written hundreds of years before Jesus came. And yet amazingly, specifically talking about how he would die on the cross and what effect that would have. And so there's this great exchange, our sin, our angst, our issues, our pain, our problems, and our, our worry exchanged on the cross. 
And so because of Jesus taking on the punishment, we have peace. In fact, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. How cool is that? And then another one, again, I think the Old Testament prophesying about Jesus into the future. Jesus, he will stand and shepherd his flock. They will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. Jesus is our peace. Isn't that cool? Jesus himself is who we need. It's not just he hands out stuff and we pray, oh God, please give me this, give me that. Like I was saying before, we want to hang out with him and we become like him. His qualities, his character rub off on us and bless us. And then, of course, uh, we come into the New Testament and this was announced by the angels at the moment when Jesus was about to be born. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So Jesus was coming into the earth and coming to bring great peace. And then when you read further into the New Testament, he's in John 14, Jesus is actually now preparing to leave. And when he leaves, he says, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. John 14, 15, 16, that whole discourse talking about how the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, is going to come when Jesus goes to heaven. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. Isn't that cool? And so again, we have... and then. A couple more go into the New Testament. Now we've got the Holy Spirit here, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine fruits of the Spirit, character qualities that can become ours as the Holy Spirit lives in us, grows in us. And then one more, Philippians, this famous, powerful um, passage. What a great promise and pattern of prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? You can leave that one up. We'll get on to one more verse later, but we can just leave that there. And uh, you should, in fact, I, I can remember that was the very first. Um, verse of the Bible that I memorized when I became a Christian at the age of 15 and uh, you know you think you got troubles as a teenager and then they just you know you, you got issues that go on you, you, you look back and think what was I worried about you know <laughs> what was I thinking didn't have a mortgage kids responsibility but obviously there was always something to be troubling us and when that was written 2,000 years ago people were troubled then they were anxious then. Oh, they didn't have the technology and the you know same culture that we're in, but human nature means there's always going to be something that bugs you, gets in your mind or your heart, and they're worried about something. And yet there's a great promise and prayer for us to deal with it, uh, to just come to God in prayer and specifically to ask God. Just don't worry about it. Pray about it. And, um, and yet there are times when you don't know really what to pray for. Or maybe what's worse is you think you know what to pray for and you pray for something specific, but it's really not the right answer. And so um, I love this expression here. It says the peace of God that passes or transcends understanding. Because sometimes you can't understand everything. We'd like to, wouldn't we? We want to figure it all out. 
Oh God, help me to just know what the answer is. Well, sometimes we can't get all the answers and that's sometimes a cause of angst for us. We think, well, if I could just nut it all out and get everything under control uh, in this area with that relationship or this job situation or... Well, we can't always and that's okay because the peace of God is available when we don't understand. In fact... God doesn't always give us full understanding of something deliberately. I heard Bill Johnson say recently, a Christian life that understands everything is an inferior Christian life. That's a, that's a cool statement. A Christian life that understands everything is an inferior Christian life. You've, you've watered it down. You've put God in a box. You've got it all under control. Right? I go to church and I do this and I do that. And I understand my whole life. I've got it all under control. Well, you're just missing out because God is a God of wonder. And if we're going to really connect to, flow with, obey, go wherever he sends us to that God, that God of wonder, there are going to be some things that are beyond our understanding. And you know, the word wonder is interesting because if you say something's wonderful, it's good. And so God is wonderful, you know. But quite often we'll talk about, I wonder about something that we don't know. And we use that in a negative sense. Oh. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder where the money's going to come from. I wonder if I can pay this bill. I wonder, I don't know, I just wonder. But we need to be able to have things that we don't understand and still see it as wonderful because God is full of wonder and wonderful. Well, I just wonder how it's going to work out. I don't know, but I, I, I don't know. I don't need to know, but I know God is full of wonder. So I'm going to have a wonderful outcome for this thing that I wonder about. You know, there's a positive way of seeing something that you don't understand. And so we, we don't have to have it all nutted out. We can still have a, a positive, peaceful approach to a situation that is beyond our understanding. We don't understand, but we don't worry. And of course, kids are good at this. Little kids, you know, we've got the two little boys that we have now, and, um, and they need our assistance uh, in life. You know, they kind of... Uh, you know, be sheltered and, and fed, and um, and they're not they're not worried about these things, about you know basic provisions. They're reliant on us, and so they're you know they could wonder where their next meal's coming from, but it's not a source of stress. They just say, "What's for dinner?" They know it's going to happen. It's going it's going to come, you know. Uh, and now, of course, our older kids. We've got you know four older ones that are the youngest is here, Bethany, 15, and she's all growing up, and then Luke's around somewhere, and he's 17-ish, nearly, you know, and then Eleanor uh, was over here, he's, you know, 19, going on 31, you know, she's always been growing up, and then Hudson, he's big and tough, and um, uh, spent four hours in the hospital waiting for surgery on his ear that got cauliflowered in the rugby game yesterday, so you can pray for him. Um, and went home because he didn't get attended to. So, um, you know, he's all big in the army. But when they were little, look, we, the, let me say this. The other day, we watched some family videos a few weeks ago. So the little kids wanted to see our big kids when they were little. And it's so funny. You look, because all these kids, they're big. They're not kids. They're, you know, young adults and they're all cool and they're organized and all that. But it's not that long ago. And you watch the videos and there they are. And they're just little, you know, helpless munchkins who need mum and dad. And in fact, they need mum and dad to clothe them. Like Luke, every shot we watched, this family video, every scene, 
There he is, happy, always happy, and completely naked. Now, I just want to qualify. I said we watched this a few weeks ago. We didn't film it a few weeks ago. This is when he was a toddler, right? And it was only at home. It wasn't out in public. You know, he wasn't going off to preschool. or anything. It was just in, in the house and out in the backyard. Now, I don't know what it was. Four kids under six. Maybe we were just running out of time and energy to look. Three out of four is not so bad. You just dress a few of them. Yeah, I don't know what it was. But every scene, we seem to, there's the kids. There's filming and there's Eleanor ah, running around there. Ah, there's Luke. Woo! You know, and he's running around the backyard. And he's just, and uh, so he needed us to put clothes on him. Eleanor was the complete opposite. Eleanor has always had a taste for fashion and knows what she wants to wear. And she'd always put on clothes, lots of clothes. And so there's a scene where Ruth, is. she turns the light on. You can tell she's filming because I'm there in Eleanor's room. Eleanor's fallen asleep and she's red and sweaty because she's dressed herself. She looks like the Michelin girl and I'm there taking off layers. And I'm looking at the camera going, this is funny. I'm trying not to wake her up. And she's lying there. You know, she's all sweat because she's dressed herself with, it's literally like six extra layers on top of her pajamas because she was obviously playing, you know, fashion girl before she went to bed and then just fell asleep with all these layers of dresses and tops and all that. And so kids need our help. That's my point. Anyway, um, but the point is, as we grow up, you know, we're all very self-reliant. We know how to dress ourselves. We go to work. We brush our teeth, all that. That's great. But there is something that we should maintain that children have. A childlike, not childish, immature approach to life, but we, it's healthy to have a childlike reliance on God for things that are beyond our control. So sure, you can do plenty of stuff, you know, pay your bills, have a job, get dressed, hopefully, wear clothes. Luke, you'll be pleased to know, he actually does wear clothes these days. Um, But there are things that only God can help us with. You know, he has provision of things that we can't manufacture ourselves. And one of them is peace, that intangible quality that, that God has got and we don't naturally have so much of. And so he can set us free from worry. And um, like I said, children uh, have it very naturally because they've got this obvious reliant relationship with parents. None of our family videos show the kids sitting in the corner fretting and worrying about where their next meal's coming from or, you know, what's They're just, you know, having fun. And so we can have that childlike reliance on God too. One more passage that I want to look at in the book of Colossians. And again, I've got it up on this scripture on this screen here Uh, this is the amplified version now of course the amplified bible as you may know just takes some words in the original greek and rather than giving it just one english translation the translators have seen that well you could translate it a couple of different ways so they've expounded some of the words and therefore it takes you twice as long to read but it's very interesting. Look at this. Let the peace which... So normally your Bible would say, let the peace from Christ rule in your hearts, right? But let's read the whole thing in the brackets. They've got these explanatory, developing words. Let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule. Act as umpire continually in your hearts. 
deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which, as members of Christ's one body, you are also called to live. And be thankful, that is, appreciative, giving thanks to God always. And so you can see there's you know, quite a few words there, but I want you to notice it gives you a little explanation of peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ. But notice this expression, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And it, and it goes and says, what does it mean by rule? To act as an umpire continually in your heart. This is a great phrase, isn't it? This is a great picture of what it is to let Jesus rule, to let his peace rule. In any situation, you've got some drama, some worry bubbling up in your heart, wanting to take control, wanting to have the authority, wanting to rule and umpire the situation. And you get to decide, am I going to let that rule? Or am I going to say, no, no, settle down, Jesus, come and rule. Come and be the umpire. Come and rule and be Lord over this situation. Just think about an umpire or a referee. Uh, you know, if you've played sport, you'll know that they're part of the game. And uh, I thought about this. Three particular things I want to mention about referees or, or umpires that relate to how Jesus can rule by the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Um, firstly, you need a ref or an umpire to make a game work. If you've got a game of sport, well, you know, people love to hate the referees, don't they? But you really need them. Um, Otherwise, the game just descends into chaos, anarchy, war even. Um, in fact, soccer, you know, when they first started it, they just had two villages and they'd get a pig's bladder, blow it up with air in the middle and they would just take each other on and try and get that ball into the other village, miles and miles away. No rules, ready, go. We used to call it kill the deal with the pill when we were kids, you know, and just have a wild ruckus. of it. But they originally started with this in England and, uh, you know, these barbaric, warring villages would just go and, you know, kill each other and smash. And then finally someone, who knows, months later perhaps, you know, oh, scored the goal, taken the Well, of course, they, they got a little more organised, you know. They said, right, no killing, not three miles, not two villages, just a bunch of guys, a field, get some lines. Oh, and we'll have an umpire. Because you can go down to the local, you know, park and just get a few mates together and play footy. And, you know, it just descends into a shouting match, doesn't it? You know, it's a knock on. Oh, was and so if you want to go to that next level, you want to play sport at a, you know, more challenging but more rewarding and more exciting level, then you go and get a team organised, don't you? And you join a competition and there's the referee. Da -da -da -da. You know, there's the umpire. And so you need him. Uh, and notice it says, let the peace of Christ rules. So you've got to decide, yes, Lord, you can be umpire. Just like saying, all right, guys, we'll get, here's our team. We want to play at a better level. We want to go up a level. We're going to let the umpire say his bit and, and rule the game. And so it's our decision. You can play in the park. You can let your emotions just run wild and, and take control. But if you're smart, you'll come in and submit to the umpiring and the lordship of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about a ref or an umpire is they know the rules. They know whenever there's a conflict what the answer is. They, they, they have read the rule book and they have an answer for everything. They don't get flustered. They're not overwhelmed by the, 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 the tension and the angst and the passion out on the field. 
And so, uh, again, Jesus knows what's going on in your life. That's good to know because sometimes we feel like, ah, it's just like my whole life is like a blue state of origin. You know, they're all having a go and ah, it's all going on in here and in here. But you don't ever see the umpire go, oh, look at you men, oh, you know, and run away. You know, they stand there. Sometimes they're little guys, but they've got a whistle. They've got a uniform and they've got hand signals, you know. They love to use their hand signals. There's a video clip of a soccer umpire. He's got a bald head. I think he's quite famous, and it's hilarious. He's like a prima donna ballet dancer, you know, and he struts around the field, and you can Google it and go to YouTube and look Google funny soccer umpire or something. Make you laugh your head off. But, you know, they're not overwhelmed. The umpire, the referee, he doesn't run away when there's stress, and neither does Jesus. He's... Able to rule, to umpire, to call the shots. He knows the rule. He wrote the rule book. <laughs> so he's okay, you know, even if you're in, you know, in stress right there out in the playing field. Jesus knows how things can work out. And third thing about umpires is, well, of course, they have the final say. They're in charge, aren't they? And, um, you know, you, you, if you've played footy, you know this. You can argue all you like, but it's not going to change his mind. In fact, in anything, you get sin-binned, you know, so don't argue with God. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got authority and uh, everyone on a field in a sporting game has to submit to what the umpire says, to what the referee says, and the same thing. You've got, uh, you know, thoughts and worries, stressing and spinning around. You just have to listen to what the referee's call is. And obey it. Jesus has got a call. He's got, he's got a decision to make. And it says there, look, uh, let the cry, uh, what is it to, to umpire? Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. So you just say, Lord, I've got all this stuff, but I'm, I'm just going to let it be settled. I'm going to, I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I mean, have you ever seen a footy game where people don't listen to the referee? It gets, it, it, it's crazy. It goes, sometimes the game goes on and they're all waiting back except for two guys who are, you know, one's riding for the try line and the other bloke's chasing. They haven't heard the whistle. In fact, Luke played with a, a kid years ago when they were little and this poor kid got the ball and he, um, I think he got tackled and he got up and there's no one in front of him. And so he took off. Here's his chance. Oh! And the referee blew his whistle. He didn't hear it. And all the players were calling out. And he didn't hear it. And he kept going because he was going the wrong way. And he was running towards the wrong try line. And uh, so the other kids were like, cool, we're not going to tackle you. And the ref is blowing up. And these players are going, come back. What are you doing? You know? And he thinks, yeah, my big chance. And he got down to the end of the try line. And then he looked back and realized he threw the ball down and ran away. He ran he ran over the edge and disappeared over the field. The field stopped and there was a slope and he literally, he just disappeared. And they were only little, you know, it was like under eights or something. Poor kid. I think it's possibly fair to say that he never came back and played again. I think it may be the last time he ever played footy. But I'm sure he's found his avenue in another, you know, it's the Central Coast quilting champion. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't, you know, rugby league just wasn't for him. But, uh, um, you know, that was, it was sad for him. Um, so you've got to listen to the ref's call and, um, and obey him. And so the game moves forward. Let the Holy Spirit 
and let Jesus rule and umpire in our hearts. Amen. So, so she'll be right, as they say. You know, no worries. Never mind. All those expressions, just a tapping into a reality that can be ours. God's peace, and not just not, not just look. God's peace, not just available for us, but available to flow through us, so that you know we're always hearing talk of you know the need for world peace. It's never going to come just out of political decision making. Not that they're doing anything wrong in trying to you know get the Middle East Accord or peace between, you know, unions and bosses and all sorts of conflict that goes on in the world. But let's face it, real peace comes in every individual heart. And one heart at a time, we can share God's peace with other people. And they can discover that for themselves. And the prince of peace, when he rules in someone's heart, will flow and make a difference in the world around us. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au. God bless you.